Hi everyone, today is a new day and you're a part of it. Join me, Dr. Megs, for short stories and quick tips to boost your mood and your productivity. This is the PGH Dreamers Pod. Hi everyone and welcome to the PGH Dreamers Pod. Today we continue our special series called Our Path, where we are speaking with local entrepreneurs, creators, and thinkers who are doing big things in the Pittsburgh area. Our guest today is Barbara Britt, someone whom I've gotten to know through aerial arts and consider a friend. Barbara is a published author, an aerialist, a lead digital content specialist, a local influencer, and a self-proclaimed sugar connoisseur. Welcome to the pod, Barbara. Thank you. It's good to be here. We're going to start off today with breaking ground, which is just a few quick questions to break the pavement and get us kicked off. Are you up for that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So first question, what's your favorite way to start the day? Probably a workout. Honestly, that's always the best start because then my body wakes up and then soon after my brain's like, ah, that's <laughs> makes sense. And what's your favorite workout, I guess. A strength training actually, especially in the morning. Cause I don't really want to move fast. So if it's like an explosive movement, I'm like, nah, I can trip on that. That's fine. Nope. Mm -mm. <laughs> so get those muscles pumped. Yeah, okay. exactly. Second question. What's your favorite thing to listen to? And it could be music, podcast, meditation. That's really challenging because I mix it up. I am often listening to audiobooks, and sometimes that's fiction. Sometimes it's self-help. And then I have a bunch of podcasts that I cycle through and then music as well. Like all of them are super important to me. So you're up for it. Anything is what it sounds like. Yeah. It kind of goes with whatever my mood is. If like life is extremely difficult, then you're going to find me in fiction or listening to music. If if I'm emotionally sound, I suppose, then I have the capacity to be listening to like a more informative podcast. Yeah. Just, you know, just checking where I am at before I try to like force feed myself something I'm not prepared for. There you go. So your headphones really are a gauge uh, of Barbara at that moment. I like it. Okay. Third question. How do you relax? Cool. <laughs> it's probably not good, but that's a hard one to answer. <laughs> Honestly, I don't relax very well. I, I think I've really bought into that like hustler, like productivity mindset that a lot of us have talked about, but I'm not like, you know, like I want to be busy. And so if I'm not busy, I feel like I'm failing. And so my best rest actually happens when I'm like hanging out with a friend and it's like, Hey, let's hang out and watch a movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. And then I rest in that period because it tricks my brain into being like, Oh, well you're having this valuable friends time while you sit and watch this movie. <laughs> so it's still productive. <laughs> Yeah. And I, and I, I need to get away from that because I know that creativity actually often happens best in the downtime sure. in the rest. Yeah. I think we're all on that same path though. We always want to do, do, do. It's very hard to stop. So I yeah. get it. I get it. Um, okay. And then the last question to break ground, one word to describe yourself. It's a tough one. Eclectic. Love it. Love it. 
That does describe you perfectly. Awesome. Okay, now that our listeners got to know you a little bit, let's start talking about your journey. So can you give us your background, maybe leading us from your childhood through school to where you are now? Basically, how did you pave your own way? Okay, so I was homeschooled. Uh, My mom was really passionate about uh, education. And to her, that looked like homeschooling. Um, which obviously had a variety of, of, of opinions. I'm grateful that I was in like the, like now it's like more okay, especially with cyber school. But like, I grew up in the, in a, a period where it was less okay. And like, people were often like, do you have friends? <laughs> I don't know if you're like socially going to be okay. The doctors were really weird about it too. Like for mm-hmm. physical checkups. Also, like there was, I guess, a sense of loneliness because like all of the, my friends went to school and I did not. But I think one of the reasons I'm really grateful for it is that I think it really helped me to be really self-motivated. And like I was in charge of my schooling from a pretty young age. Like my mom would lay out, here are the expectations, here are my expectations, and here are the state's expectations. Mm-hmm. I was responsible for myself and the other thing. So I did actually go to school one year in sixth grade because I begged and I begged and I begged and my mom was like, okay. So she sent me to a private school after a year of that. I was like, can I please come home? (laughs) And she was shocked. She was absolutely shocked. And she was like, why? And I was like, so the system doesn't make sense to me. Like I go to school for like this gigantic chunk of time. And then I come home and I still have schoolwork to do. Like, what is this? And she said that my main reason was that I really wanted to have more time to read. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) you are bookworm from the womb. (laughs) Yeah, basically. So I think see that stuff coming up now because I still really love to read. I mean, for me, reading is, it grew into writing. So like writing is a really natural extension of my love for reading but yeah so I I went to college I astounded a bunch of naysayers in my mom's life about how like you're going to ruin your kid because you homeschooled her Um, just because like my SAT scores just blew their reservations right out of the water so that was great because it also gave me a scholarship where did you go to school (laughs) a small college out in the state of Indiana called it's Bethel University now but sometimes I'm like should I go into a, a, a better bigger more like Ivy League school but I really appreciate like the learning I think I did a lot more learning relationally <laughs> suddenly I'm you know dealing with people in a bigger way right <laughs> than I had before really like I already had a really strong sense of self and I didn't have trouble interacting with adults just because that was just part of my homeschooling experience, but like learning that balance of self versus peers. And also I really like to wake up early and in college, the choice was have friends and stay up late or get up early and don't have friends. So I, for four years, altered my sleep cycle. As soon as I graduated, I was like, yes, time to going back to my own schedule waking up early (laughs) and more peer pressure I'm done with this yeah yeah I mean it's just it's just one of those it was funny that that's one of the things I was excited about 
yeah. I don't know if that really talks about paving my way, but it is my background. <laughs> sure. Well, take us up to, you know, after college, what, what was your career trajectory at that point? So while I was in college, my, my mom, who obviously was very instrumental in my education, she was like, Barbara, I think you would be really good. You're good with kids. You're good with English. Your major should be English education. And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. About halfway through college, I got into the classroom and I like kids, but I hate teaching them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I switched my major to English, just like straight English. And I, there are people that were like, oh no, you're never going to have a job. I don't know. Don't know. Can't plan for that. But I do know that I love English. And so I'm going to chase the thing that I know that I love and we'll figure out the next steps as they come. But what was really cool is I got a internship with a small publishing house out in the state of Indiana. And that turned into like an assistant editorial part-time position, like nannied on the side. Your love for kids coming back. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I'm cool with like watching them, playing with them, but teaching them, meh, I want them, I want to teach people who want to be taught. Sure. And I don't think kids are always those people. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in a classroom standard, standardized setting, you know? Yeah, exactly. So from there, I had always dreamed of living abroad. And so I actually joined a nonprofit, a missions organization and lived in Austria right outside of Vienna for about a year. Up to that point, I was doing a whole bunch of like cleaning houses, nannying. I lived with like cousins for a while and like a nanny cook chauffeur, you know? Um, So like a whole bunch of things. Living in Austria was really awesome came back to Pittsburgh and I worked for a law firm for a little while. That sucked. (laughs) That seems very on the other side of the spectrum from English and creativity and all the things that you enjoy a lot. Yeah, but they have money. So they needed like website content and search engine optimization and like all that stuff. And I, I could provide it. And so I worked for them and I am thankful for that job just because it was a stepping stone. I am still friends with a lot of those coworkers, but yeah. And then I was very grateful to find the job that I'm in right now, where I'm a lead digital content specialist. And I get to work with like a ton of different clients and work like writing a ton of different copy, as well as like kind of managing a couple of people to make, get the work done. And like, that's super fun because, you know, some days, cause I still work with lawyers. Some days I'm I cannot handle any lawyery anything. And so then I'll work on another client stuff. Oh yeah. And in the process of that, I forgot the part where I write a book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to bring up your, your questions. Before I do that, can I ask like, what, what took you from, you know, the publishing side of things, the nonprofit sector into more digital media? Um, What, what was that jump like? Was that just organic or did you take more training? Like it seems uh, to me, digital space is a black box and very scary. So I I always kind of stick to, you know, a word document. I get very nervous when it comes to the internet. So uh, what was that like for you, that transition? Honestly, I, when I was in college, I 
created my first blog, um, mostly out of spite because I was not chosen to be like a student blogger for the semester abroad program. And I was like, what? I do this better than all those people. Uh, so I started my first blog. And so then I was just blogging and kind of learning, reading, and then like social media, I was just kind of doing that. And like with the nonprofit, I had to raise money to go okay. abroad. And so that looked like me using MailChimp, creating mm-hmm. a list of people. And so it really was just, I didn't take any classes. Okay. Um, it was just learning as I go. And then whenever I started working for those lawyers, I did start to try to teach myself more just because I was like, okay, how do I bring these skills that they need? What is SEO? Yeah. <laughs> I hear that brought up a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was also working with a couple of freelance because there are like a couple websites out there. If you just Google freelance writer or something like that, you can set up a profile, take these little jobs. And now you have to be like really strategic with those, right? Because sometimes they only pay $5. Mm. So if you're going to make it worth your time, et cetera, and profit, you really need to write fast and you need to know what it is that they're looking for. And so I guess like, I forget about that little elbow time. It's like a really small forgotten corner, but I think that was really helpful in understanding, okay, keywords are important. You need to write for Google, like search engine machines. But you also need to consider your audience. Yeah, Google is doing the algorithm thing. It's a person who's going to eventually read this. Sure. It's keeping those keywords in mind while also talking like a human being. Yeah, human-centered design, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that that does kind of lead us into your book talk. So Barbara has published, and correct me if I'm wrong, two books at this point. Mm-hmm. called Teal Paisley Tights is the first one and Take a Right at the Mistletoe. And they're both through Vinspire Publishing, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So talk to us a little bit about those books, how you came about writing those and maybe what you might be currently working on. Yeah, so when I was in college, 20, and I just made that transition to just English. And I had a professor, I saw that they had like a fiction writing tutorial, like private, smaller, the professor who was in charge of it wasn't even going to be on campus. It's going to sound so weird, but the way that my heart left when I heard about that opportunity and read the description, I was like, oh my gosh, it was going to cost extra. And at that time, you know, I, yes, I had a scholarship, that scholarship didn't cover it. And so I went to my parents, Hey guys. You said that you wanted to help me out with college stuff. Would you be willing? This is the, could you, would you? And they're like, yeah, yeah. If that's what you want, you know, go for it. Um, And so I did this private tutorial and it was basically just doing like all this different types of fiction writing. And when I finished that semester, the professor of that class was like, Barbara, would you be interested in working on writing a novel? Because I think you have, you're a good storyteller. Ah, what a compliment. That's amazing. (laughs) Ah, Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That would be fantastic. And so like, basically from then on out, I, I just kept on working with her and we worked on creating this long manuscript, but then I graduated. Mm. We had worked on a bunch of tools, but I had no idea what comes next. It just felt really overwhelming. I felt like I was so alone. And so I did nothing. 
<laughs> I did nothing. Um, and then I think right around the time, whenever I was pursuing living abroad, I went to go live with my cousins in Mississippi and do that chauffeur cook, whatever is needed kind of role. And they, my family was like, how do we compensate you basically? And I was like, well, I mean, you can support me or if you'd be willing to pay for me to have a writing coach, that would be fantastic. Cause I, I think at the time I was actually working at Dunkin' Donuts to cover okay. the writing coach myself. And they're like, yes, done. And so I spent that time period doing this nanny. It's, it's so wild to me. <laughs> my life. And I, and I, I worked with this writing coach and she, Sandra Bird, that's her name. She has written like so many wonderful novels. I found her first because I love her as an author. And so I was reading her stuff. And one day on social media, she posted and I was like, whoa, I could work with her. Whoa. And she also had like a, a series that it was very much like how I want to write. And so I was, this is a person that I want to work with. Yeah. Um, and so she basically developmentally edited my book, which to those who don't know, that basically is taking a real hard look at like the structure of the plots and creating like that beautiful, clean, satisfying reader experience where like you have trouble and then the, or the character learns and then has that satisfying end to it. And I didn't really have that. I actually really struggle with plot. So when I finished that time with her, I remember asking Sandra, so, um, so do I have what it takes to be an author? And she was like, I don't know if you have what it takes, but I know that your book that we've worked on does. It was a weird moment, right? Because yeah. I'm like, hey, to <laughs> me. But, but I keep on going, I go back to that and I'm like, oh, I love that she was so sure of the product, right? Because for me as a, like a dreamer, books are a dream, but at the end of the day, it's a business, it's a product. And I hate that that's the way I wish that I had understood it 10 years ago. <laughs> so yeah, that, that book took 10 years from start, like from that first draft to final publishing. I finally got to the place where I was just submitting it to anyone and everyone. And I ended up submitting to a unagented author contest, writing contest at okay. Fire Publishing. And I, I guess I won it because <laughs> I was selected to be published. Yeah. Um, and it was, it, it was a really neat experience because I wanted to work with a publishing house not as like internal, but on the other side of it. And so that was really unique. Okay. Okay. And then moving forward from Till Paisley Tights, tell us a little bit about how Take Away the Mistletoe came about. Cause I know this is a compelling story. <laughs> yeah. So last year in, I think, oh goodness, I'm trying to, was it May? It happened really fast in May, like 2020 after we knew that the world had shut down, right? Um, I got an email from my publisher that was, hey, would you be interested in writing a Christmas novella for a collection? And I was like, what? <laughs> Basically, it's the same deal as before. No advance, but you'll get royalties. And I was like, oh, crap. I mean, I have a Christmas novella like on the back burner. What are your parameters? And so they told me their parameters. And I realized that though I love the story that I've written already, it, it, 
I wanted it. (laughs) So I completely wrote a new story from scratch. It had to be submitted. Originally, they were like, oh, we need it. We'll, We'll send you the contract, but we'll need your final manuscript by the end of June. It's May. It's May. Month's time. That's incredible. They got me the, like, I didn't start working on it until I signed the contract. Um, They got that to me near the end of of May, January, February, March, April, May, June. What? So I basically wrote this novella, which, you know, it's a short novel, but it's still like, it still requires so much, so much work in like a month. They ended up giving me till July 15th. <laughs> but it was it was pretty tight. I wrote out a calendar and I was like, okay, week one, research and outline. Week two, just write like crazy. Week three. But I had I really they weren't going to have a lot of time to edit it on their side. So I'm like, I need to make sure that I get it in front of enough people before I submit it that it's as clean. Like I would be happy to have it published as is right? Because I just don't know. It was such a quick turnaround time. And so I really needed to make sure that I also included time for beta readers um, and then feedback. So I'm really grateful for the whole community of people that really just allowed me to disappear for like a month and a half and supported it um, in however they could. But yeah, it was a whirlwind. I love the story. Like, I love it. I think it's adorable. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, and for those have, who have not read it, it is taking place in Vienna. So Barbara just told us a little bit ago that she spent some time abroad there. So we could really tell, like when I was reading it, that this was very heartfelt. You were, you were there. You were part of the scene. The scene was one of the main characters for sure. So that, that was really cool that that came through from your historical past of being there. I mean, not everybody has that opportunity. It's really great that you got to capture that in, in text. Yeah, for me, I think my writing is really grounded by location, you know, like write with write what you know, and it, it, it's helpful for me to place the story in somewhere I've been. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us anything that you're currently working on? Yeah, so remember that Christmas novella that <laughs> I was like, oh, it's on the back burner. I could give it to my publisher, but I just don't really want to. <laughs> I'm working on that again. I actually sent it out to my number one beta reader because I was like, man, I just feel terrible about this story. It's trash. And she was like, I bet it's not. How about you send it to me? And I'm like, but I just want to edit it. And she's like, just send it to me. And I was like, actually, that's probably the right choice. So she read it last week. She's a quick reader and sent me back comments. She was like, it's not trash. And I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> she was like, yeah, it needs some editing. Like, yeah. So I'm trying, I would like to self-publish that. I'm trying to brainstorm title ideas just because I think once you have a title, it kind of helps orient your story a little bit more. I don't have a title. And then another thing is I have been working, I, I do it for my, for fun. I write little tiny fictions, like just like a short snippet, often based on like a small phrase. And I've been thinking like, I've I've written quite a few of those. So I'm kind of thinking of headed towards making a collection and self-publishing those. I was talking to my brother about it and he was like, Barbara, you should make it into an audio book. There's something to be said for hearing it read from the author. And I was like, well, that feels like a smaller task, you know, because they're only a couple paragraphs, sometimes shorter than two paragraphs. So 
Yeah, so I'm not sure when those are going to come out, but the, for the collection, I've been dreaming about it this week. <laughs> like, no promises, no promises, but I'm kind of liking the idea of releasing the collection my birthday month. So that would be January 2022. Okay. I've said it. <laughs> you put it out there, folks. You heard it. So, in addition to that, is there anything else that you can foresee, even a year, two, five years into the future, that you think that you might tackle or want to tackle? Yeah, there's a book idea that's been like bouncing around in my head and it's a much grittier story. Like I pretend, I pretend, I prefer <laughs> to write fluffy romance, like escapes, you know, just life is really hard. Let me provide you a little bit of entertainment with like a little bit of like that women's fiction. There's learning that happens for the main character. But yeah, I want to write something that's a little bit harder. And I've been thinking about that for a long while now, but usually it takes me a long time anyway. So I'm just <laughs> accepting that I'm still brainstorming because it also covers a lot of things that I don't know. So it will require quite a bit of research. Okay. Something but, maybe a little more drama filled in the future. Yeah, well, we'll see. Like more women's fiction, I suppose, than light and fluffy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Both sides of the coin, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what would be your advice to any budding dreamers that may be listening? You've already expressed yourself as a dreamer. So can you give anybody some tips? Yeah. So I actually consider myself a practical dreamer. Because <laughs> I believe that like, if you're going to make it, like, if you have a dream, the only way to make it come into reality is to create practical goals and like, that's the only reason I have any published books is because I was like, okay, this is my dream. Let's, let's break it down and figure out how to move it forward. So that is important. That's advice. And I think the other thing is if you're interested in doing books specifically, you need to think of it as a business. I remember hearing people saying that at writers conferences, don't quit your day job, but really don't quit your day job and look at it like, okay, where, where are ways that I can pull in some money? And like, I hate to take it down to like the money line, but if you want to make it big with a traditional publisher, you have to have like really big numbers. You have to have a big platform. You have to be selling a lot of books and that may look like self-publishing and just working, hustling really hard until your book is selling a lot and people start to take notice, right? Definitely think about the business side. It's, it feels gross. Maybe if you're like, no, I want to just dream. I just like, it'll happen with magic and butterflies. Yeah. Yes. But <laughs> get the, get the model up and running first and then dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then there are so many good podcasts about how to do that or, you know, coaching services. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That can be helpful. But yeah, I think it's important for, for people who are interested in writing to realize that it's not just sitting behind a computer and spouting off words and thinking that people will see it. If you're, if that is your intention to get it in front of readers, then you have to think of it from a more business perspective first. 
So that's it's great advice, frankly. It takes everybody down a notch, I think, from the clouds <laughs> back to reality a little bit. Practical. I like that. Practical yeah. dreaming. Good. Okay, Barbara. So how can our listeners find you? Social media, website, email? How can they find you and maybe your books too? So you can visit my website. It's Barbara Britz.com, but okay, I should probably like, you know, spell it out. It's B-A-R-B-A-R-A-B-R-U-T-T.com. And on Instagram, I'm pretty active. That's Cordially Barbara. So at Cordially Barbara. And then Facebook, I have a Facebook page as well. Um, I think it's Barbara Britt Writer if you search. Yeah, those are the two. I have like a Twitter, but I don't pay attention to it, which I know is weird because it's like word based, but apparently I like pretty pictures. So. <laughs> also, I, w- I don't know if this would be interesting to you or not, but I have a tiny fiction that sitting next to me that I could read. Please do. Okay. And it's a high note. Let's hear it. <laughs> okay. So this one is one of my favorites just because I think, I don't know, it rings as important to me. So. The phrase that I heard and and then what inspired this tiny fiction is, I'm keeping a promise to myself. So I'm keeping a promise to myself. She placed the folded clothing into the suitcase at her feet. But do you have to? Her daughter sat on the bed pouting. Yes, baby. But who will tuck me in at night and make my lunches? She smiled then and walked to her daughter flopping onto the bed beside her. Her mini being giggled and she wrapped her arms around the little girl. Your daddy will take good care of you and your Nana too. But mommy, I want you. I know baby, she kissed her daughter's head. But if I can't keep a promise to myself, how can I keep a promise to anyone else, especially you? Wow, that pulled at heartstrings being a mom. Beautiful. We can't wait to see the entire collection in January of 2022. (laughs) Um, Unofficial announcement. No pressure. No pressure. Well, thank you so much, Barbara. I really appreciate you doing this today. And everybody, make sure you grab a copy of Barbara's books. They are sure to please. I love them. Breezed right through them and did feel so much lighter after reading them. So thank you for that escape. And I know we'll see big things. We'll keep you posted, listeners, on new things from Barbara. Take care. Thank you so much. Are you feeling stuck? Do you constantly battle procrastination? Are you hoping to achieve more, but just need that extra push? Then accountability can work for you. With my Accountability Buddy program, you will get one-on-one personalized schedules, check-ins, and solutions to help you reach your goals. Whether it be your health, relationships, career, or creative goals, the Accountability Buddy program will keep you on track and will keep it real. Visit pghdreamerproductions.com to sign up now for the affordable Accountability Buddy program. That's pghdreamerproductions.com to get started today. It's time to pave your own way.